From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Perhaps you've been on an airplane when the pilot or the flight attendant seeks medical assistance from any doctors on board or any passengers with medical training. An Upstate professor recently published an article in the Journal of the American Medical Association in which he addresses what a person should do if he or she hears such a request. With me today is Dr. Greg Eastwood, a professor of bioethics and humanities and of medicine at Upstate. Welcome, Dr. Eastwood. Nice to be back here, Amber. Thank you. Well, thanks uh, again. Uh, why did you write this article? Well, I think I have in common with many physicians the experience of flying in a plane and having this kind of request, except I've had that experience seven times, which I think is a little <laughs> more than, than the usual dose of, uh, of such experiences. So I began to think about it and look into it, and uh, there are several articles in, the, in very reputable journals that talk about the facts of uh, in-flight medical emergencies, such as how often they occur, which... It's hard to get an exact number, but it may be one out of 600 or so flights. Uh, and what kinds of emergencies there are. It's the usual things, such as shortness of breath and, and uh, fainting, things like pain somewhere, uh, with the addition of sometimes uh, trauma related to in-flight turbulence. But then I didn't find uh, any articles specifically on what to do, what should one do as a physician or a healthcare professional? A lot of things go through your mind. You know, am I the only one who's going to respond? You know, this turns out to be kind of a spectacle when a doctor responds. So I thought I would just give it some thought and, um, and write about it and see what happened, see what came back. Well, neat. Yeah, because there's no way of knowing how many times, how many doctors are on a flight mm -hmm. and how many of them respond or how frequently so that's true uh, you know when they do respond but you don't know when they don't when respond they don't. exactly <laughs> who's right. sitting there quietly and it turns out that the literature the medical literature does speak to that issue uh, in about half of the responses a physician is involved uh, sometimes a nurse uh, fewer than half maybe a quarter sometimes an emergency medical technician when you add all this up, uh, there's a pretty good chance that there's somebody on board who has some medical training. Now, the currency of that medical training is another ma matter. How comfortable does a physician like myself? You know, I've been in administrative duties for almost 30 years. Um, do I feel comfortable getting up and, and doing something about it? Right. Well, and you also mentioned that it becomes a bit of a spectacle. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's a challenge to provide medical care on an airplane. It's a challenge to do anything on an airplane, but yes, to is. provide care for someone, yes. what are some of the other issues? Well, uh, in like, my experience of mm -hmm. seven instances, six of which I've been the only person responding. The last one, thank goodness there were other people. It was on a uh, flight to China, in fact, mm. several years ago. Well, uh, you know, patients, the patients, I'm calling them, they're passengers who are in distress, of course, are sitting in, uh, in very cramped quarters. You can't do a proper physical examination. Uh, you can't disrobe. I mean, it's, it may be a bit of a spectacle if you do disrobe the, the, the patient, uh, but it's very difficult to get at what the problem is sometimes in a physical way. Also, sometimes patients aren't able to give 
a good history, a good account of what's going on. If they're with somebody that knows them, sometimes that's very helpful. And then I've, I've noticed that when I'm listening for heart sounds or abdominal sounds or trying to take blood pressure, the ambient noise of the jets and the passing air uh, really interferes and it's very difficult Makes to it hear. really hard, hard conditions. And then, you know, if the patient needs to have uh, CPR, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, cardiac external cardiac massage and so on, um, that is really difficult. How do you get a passenger out into the aisleway or up to the front? Uh, it has been done. I thankfully have not had to do that. Wow. Well, do doctors and other medical professionals have a legal duty to respond when a flight attendant asks for help? Yeah, that's a really good question. In the United States and Canada and in Britain, there is no legal duty to do that. In some other countries of Europe and around the world, there is a legal duty uh, if one is a physician. I don't frankly know how that legal duty is expressed because if someone does not respond, it's, most physicians do not declare themselves as physicians when they are they don't, on board. They don't if, walk around with a white no, coat. No, that's or, right, or a stethoscope right. around the corner, their neck. And um, in the seven times uh, I've been involved, not once has an attendant or anyone else asked me for any credentials. I've said, I'm a doctor. That's great. Get to work. <laughs> wow. Well, what about um, moral duty to act? Yeah, that's the, uh, that was really one of the main points of my article. Uh, and it, gets, it resolves to how physicians feel about themselves as physicians when they're not, quotes, on duty. Uh, clearly, a doctor's a doctor when he or she is seeing a patient in a certain context, in the office, in a clinic, in a hospital, emergency department, so on. But when you're in an airplane at 35,000 feet, maybe going on vacation or maybe not, maybe to a meeting, doesn't matter, are you a doctor then? Actually, most physicians feel they are physicians virtually all the time. And I find that very reassuring. Then it resolves to... Well, if I'm a doctor all the time, can I really help? Uh, in my own situation, I was president here at Upstate for a long time, off and on. I was away doing other things. Uh, as I said earlier in the broadcast, I have not had the main responsibility of taking care of patients for almost 30 years. Yet, four of those seven instances have occurred during that time, and I've felt maybe with a little bit of hubris, that I, that I could take care of the immediate situation. So, uh, yes, I feel that it's my duty, uh, my moral duty, ethical duty, to do what I can. And, of course, to defer to a nurse, uh, EMT, another physician, who might be better qualified if they're available. Well, in at least six of your instances, you were the only one that came forward anyway. So That's correct. I don't know who else was sitting there <laughs> thankful <laughs> that I had responded. Okay. But by the same token, I mean, there may be a doctor who's going on vacation, maybe has been drinking. Yes, yes. So maybe they might be reluctant to offer up. Yes. This is related to this the most recent question, when are you a doctor and when are you not? Now, can doctors drink uh, wine or beer or, or mixed drinks in the air? Of course. Uh, I always have, of course, I'm not a big drinker anyway, but uh, I've always felt that uh, I should not drink so much that I really impair my abilities to think and act. That doesn't 
just apply to the plane <laughs> in okay. my own case. Well, do the airlines have some responsibility to be prepared for medical emergencies? Well, they do, as you might guess they do. And what they do, I think, is reassuring. First, the attendants are required to learn and refresh their skills in uh, CPR. Uh, also, they learn how to use the AED, which is the Automated External Defibrillator, which we find in buildings and all over the place. And the airlines have <laughs> and those? And they have those okay. on the planes. Then there are medical kits that have simple things like bandages, and also they have some medications uh, like aspirin and uh, some breathing medications. They have IV solutions. Uh, they don't have insulin, and they don't have narcotics, but they have some simple things like ibuprofen and so on. Um, what is most reassuring to me as a physician, and I hope to other physicians and healthcare professionals, is that there is immediate access to experts on the ground. And this I, I have experienced in one or two of my uh, situations where uh, the attendant will connect me by phone to somebody on the ground, to some group of, they're usually emergency doctors who have contracted with the airlines to provide this kind of advice. And so uh, you've really got somebody there who knows what they're doing, even if you don't think you do. So you can at you least tell them what's going on exactly. with the patient and what mm -hmm. tools you might or might not have at your disposal and they can offer. That's it. Uh, in one situation where I had to uh, ask that the plane be brought down, that was only once out of the seven experiences I've had. It was a transcontinental U.S. flight. Uh, I spoke with the pilot. Uh, of course, you speak with a pilot not in person. He's barricaded, but you speak with him on the phone. And then I spoke with the person, the emergency doctor on the ground somewhere. And uh, it was very evident that the plane had to be landed. Okay. Well, do you think the responsibilities are different for physicians on an airplane than they would be like in an auditorium or on the side of the road? Mm -hmm. So in my article, I address this and I say something like many physicians, when they're in a public environment, such as at a lecture or a church, uh, it may go through their mind, what would I do if there are a need for my services? Uh, I found this actually fairly common when I talked to, to physicians. And there is, so there is a commonality uh, among medical emergencies that occur in church, in an auditorium, at a concert, in a restaurant, and in a plane. But the big difference in a plane is that is a closed environment where nobody else is going to get to you for a long time. And if there is a need for emergency medical assistance, it's there in the plane or not. Uh, on the ground, we all know that EMTs respond within minutes. Uh, but in a plane, it's it, if the plane has to come down, it's a half hour or so. Yeah, at least to, mm -hmm. to find where well, to if you're, And if you're over uh, the ocean, yeah. it's a long time. Well, what sorts of responses have you, because this article was in JAMA um, a month about ago. Two, about so, two weeks ago, yeah, okay. two and a half weeks ago, yeah. So what, what's the response been so, like? So it's really been gratifying. You know, I'm in academia, and I have published a lot of things. I have never had such a response as this. I've received uh, almost 50 emails 
uh, mostly from people I don't know. And they, every one of them, not one of them has been critical. Of course, maybe if they're critical of the article, they'll be quiet. But every one of them says, oh, great job, Dr. Eastwood. Um, I can relate to this. And many of them will recount for several paragraphs their own experiences in responding to in-flight emergencies. And I've established some, you know, temporary relationships anyway with people, anyway with some of these people who have, uh, you know, told me that I've responded back and so on. And then maybe out of that 50, there have been seven or eight people that uh, I have known from somewhere around the country, and they have uh, responded. It's nice to renew their their acquaintance. So you chose a very relatable topic. I think so, yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about your conclusion. Um, how should a medical person decide whether he or she will respond in a given situation? Well, my conclusion in the article might be a little bit too clever, but uh, I, I say something like this. Uh, I'd like to apply a version of the golden rule, which means if you have an emergency, if you imagine yourself as a physician having a medical emergency in the air, and someone with your own abilities uh, responds, and you are worried about that, then maybe you should stay seated. But all others, press the button. Press the button and go. Uh, well, thank you. This has been a very fun topic. My guest has been Dr. Greg Eastwood, Professor of Bioethics and Humanities and of Medicine at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.